God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Relevant Community Church. Here's Pastor Ronnie Rothy from Relevant. One thing that we can all agree on is that when we look at what's going on in the world and we look and see all the stuff happening, we just go, man, something, it just isn't right. Something just, it doesn't, it, right? We, we see people treated unjustly. We see racism. We see hatred. We see people growing hungry, people being without clean drinking water. We see people, you know, we see rampant drug use. We see genocide. We see high suicide rates. We see, you know, orphans with no homes. We see school shootings. We see war. We see what's happened, happened to our Korean friends from Burma for the last 70 years, that the Burmese army have just been attacking them all because they want their land and they've been raiding their villages and killing killing the men and kidnapping the kids and burning the village down. I mean, we see all this. We see a lot of what can only be described as evil and darkness in the world. And it's like, man, just, it's like you just know something just isn't right. And then we look at our own lives. It just seems like, like there's something against us. And your spouse cheats on you after you were a dedicated and loving spouse for years Your kids disown you. Cancer fills your body after living as healthy as you possibly can. You're depressed and filled with anxiety. You try to get ahead financially, but the bills keep mounting up. You're you're alone in your singleness and you can't seem to find a mate. Nothing seems to be panning out for that career change. You were unjustly fired. And the pain, the loss, the hurt, the hopelessness, the loneliness, the injustice, it it just keeps mounting up. And no matter how hard you try, it just... Seems like something is against you mentally and emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, occupationally. Listen, regardless of who you are and what you believe about God and what your financial situation is or the family you grew up in, what, as we look at the world and as we look at our lives, we just all know something isn't right. We don't think, things aren't as they should be. Like, and, and most of us have had the thought, it, it just seems like there's something against me. And we've been left asking, like, what's going on? Like, who's to blame for all this? And some have concluded, me. I'm to blame. It's my fault. I must be doing something wrong. I must be blowing it. I didn't do enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't have enough faith. Faith. I wasn't smart enough, kind enough, charismatic enough, strong enough, pretty enough. And it's true, some of the pain, some of the hardship in our lives are self-inflicted. But what about when we do everything right? What about all the, all the bad things that happen to good people? What about all the evil in the world we have no, had nothing to do with? What about when it's not our fault? That's what's made others conclude, well, it's them. They're to blame. It's the Democrats' fault. It's Republicans' fault. It's Trump's fault. It's Biden's fault. It's Putin's fault. It's my spouse's fault. It's my boss's fault. Listen, you can blame them, whoever them are. You can blame them all day. But deep down, you know they aren't single-handedly causing all the evil in the world. And they're surely not causing all the hardship and sickness and injustice and pain and loneliness in your life mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, or occupationally. That's why others have concluded, well, God. God's to blame. God, God's holding out. God's abandoned me. God could have saved me. God could have stopped this. God could have, could have helped, but he didn't. And how could a good God allow this to happen? It's his fault. But when you think about it, that doesn't make sense. 
Because God proved he is for you. And he proved it by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for your violation of sin that keeps you separated from your heavenly father. He, he, he proved that he's for you when he sent Jesus to come and restore and redeem and reconcile our broken relationship with him and give us eternal life. He proved that he loved you by sending Jesus. So why would he do that if he was against us? Why would he do that if he wanted to be against us? So if we can't blame it all on ourselves, we can't blame it all on them, and if God is for us, is it possible there's someone else? Someone else against me. Someone else causing all this. And according to Jesus, according to the writers of Scripture, the answer is yes. And the Apostle Paul tells us who that is in Ephesians 6. Now, Ephesians, the New Testament book of Ephesians, is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church, the community of Christ followers in the city of Ephesus in the first century, about 30 or so years after the events of Jesus' life. And right at the end of the letter, Paul writes this. Take your stand against the, here it is, devil's schemes. According to Paul, according to Jesus, according to the writers of Scripture, someone much more powerful, much more evil, much more deceptive than you or them is against you and is at work in the world. And that someone is the devil whose name is Satan. According to Paul, According to Jesus, according to the writers of Scripture, Satan is Jesus' enemy, your enemy, my enemy, whose sole motivation is to steal, kill, and destroy. And Paul goes on, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against him or her or them or even ourselves. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I told you it was going to be weird today. According to the writers of Scripture, Jesus came to forgive us for our violation of sin that keeps us separated from holy creator God in this life and the next. Jesus came to redeem and restore and reconcile our broken relationship with our heavenly Father. Jesus came to usher in God's Love and joy and hope and peace and salvation, redemption, healing, righteousness, goodness, provision, justice, mercy, grace. He came to usher in God's kingdom. Jesus came to fill, with, fill all creation with his glory. Jesus came to save you and give you life and peace and hope and joy to the full now. But Jesus has an enemy. Satan is Jesus' chief enemy who fights to spoil all of that. Satan fights to oppose God however he can. Satan fights to prevent the work of Jesus in the world and in our lives. Satan fights to advance evil and hopelessness and injustice and hatred. Satan fights to fill all creation with despair and darkness and disease. Satan fights to deceive and destroy you. So we look around and we see all these things and we know something isn't right. And we see these, what's happening in our lives and we, it just seems like something's against us. And Paul says, Apostle Paul says, you're right. There's a battle. And you're like, Paul, I know life's a battle. And he goes, no, no, I didn't say life's a battle. But that there is a, I said there's a very real battle happening all around you every single day. In his words, in the heavenly realms. And on one side of this battle, Jesus is working. Jesus is working to usher in everything that God is for. 
He's working to usher in God's love and God's salvation. He's, 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 he's working to, to move in everything, in every person that God loves. And on the other side of this battlefield, the enemy, Satan, is fighting to stop and oppose and destroy all of that. He's, he's fighting to stop people from putting their faith in Jesus and steal their eternities. He's fighting to oppose everything and everyone that God is for. He's fighting to destroy everything that God is for. And the work of Jesus in this world. And then you and I, we're caught in the middle. We're living in the midst of this. And this battle is very unseen. But the effects of it are very real. And very, very tangible. As weird and as unbelievable as it sounds, you have an enemy who is against you and who is attacking you. For those of you who have never put your faith in Jesus by asking him to be the forgiver of your sins and lead your life, here's how he's against you and here's how he's attacking you. He is doing every single thing that he possibly can to keep you from putting your faith in Jesus. See, Satan's end game is to take your eternity. Jesus said that I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus gave his life on the cross for and rose from the grave, to give you and me eternal life, and Satan knows it. And Satan's entire goal is to take your eternity. It's his end game for you to never put your faith in Jesus so you are never reconciled and redeemed with your heavenly Father and given eternal life. And if you never put your faith in him, he's already won. He's already won. He's doing everything he can to make you question God, to make you question the validity of Jesus, to make you, to make you go, I don't think I want to do that. And he's already won in your life the end game he's already has. So he doesn't have to fight anymore because in the end he wins. Do you know the two people who believe that heaven and hell are very real places? Jesus and Satan. They know more than anyone that heaven and hell are very real places and people are going there every single day. And Satan is, gonna, is doing everything he can to fight against you for you to never accept God's grace for you, to never accept God's love through you through faith in Jesus so that you never, so that he keeps you separated from your heavenly father for eternity. That's how he's against you. That's how he's attacking you. For those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, Satan knows that in the end he's already lost so he's going to do everything he can to attack, to take you the life that only Jesus could give, the hope that only Jesus could give, the joy that only Jesus could give you. He's going to do everything to take out your marriage, to take out your hope, to take out your mind, to take out your will, to take out your strength. He's going to do everything he can to fight for you to take your eyes off Jesus and for you to stop following Jesus because he knows that's the only way for you to have the life and hope and peace and joy that only Jesus can give and he doesn't want you to have it. So here's the big idea that Paul's getting across in the big idea of this series. We are in a battle every day, so we must daily prepare for battle. We are in the midst of a battle every single day. A battle not against him, not against her, not against them, not against Trump, not against Biden, not against ourselves, but an unseen one against an enemy who fights with the forces of hell to destroy everything and everyone God is for, to destroy everything and everyone that God loves, to destroy everything God wants to do in the world and everything God wants to do in your life, to destroy everything and everyone that Jesus came for, Jesus died for, and Jesus rose from the grave for. You have an enemy who is against you and who's attacking to destroy the life and the hope and peace and joy and fulfillment and healing that only Jesus can give you and wants to give you. 
that only, he only, that only Jesus can and wants to give you now. Listen, a time is coming later, after Jesus physically returns, when he will finish off his enemy and our enemy once and for all. But for now, in the meantime, at least according to Jesus, at least according to the writers of Scripture, we must prepare daily for battle so we don't get defeated by our enemy. You know, many of us, we don't even recognize this battle. Fewer of us know how to prepare daily for it so we can stand firm, which is why so many of us are being defeated every single day. So many of us are being defeated by our enemy every single day, and we don't even know it. We don't even recognize it. And that doesn't have to happen because the writers of Scripture tell us how to prepare daily for this battle. And I want to quickly share two of those ways. Two of the most effective ways to daily prepare for this battle. I want you to think of these two ways that I'm going to share with you as, as strategies of war because that's where we're in the midst of. The first way that we daily prepare for this battle is to be aware and alert. Be aware and alert. I, I, I know. Some of you have a hard time believing all this. You're like, Satan, mm-hmm. Unseen battle, mm-hmm. I like, you know, Ronnie, you cool, believe that myth. You think there's this Lord of the Rings things going on that we can't all see. That's a nice little kid story. You need to grow up. I'm too smart for all this. I, listen, I told you before, the only reason I believe all of this stuff is Jesus believed it, and I just go with that guy. Now, many of you do believe this is very real, but you don't recognize the battle, or you don't think that much about it. And let me tell you, that's all part of, according to as Paul describes, Satan's schemes, Satan is described in scripture as a liar, a deceiver, and a thief. And you know this, no thief announces their entry. Satan does not want you to recognize him. He, if Satan showed up physically looking however he looks and however you think Satan looks, if he's got horns and a tail and he's red and whatever, like if he showed up looking how he looks and we recognized him, we would all be like, nope, and we would run the other way. We would have nothing to do with that. The biggest thing Satan's done and the biggest lie he's ever pulled off and the greatest thing he's ever happened in the world to him is he's made us think he does not exist. And he's so he's sneaky and he's crafty and he's cunning and that's why the apostle Peter, who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, one of Jesus' three closest friends, says, be alert, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for when and how to devour you. We'll continue to blame ourselves, blame others, blame a politician, Blame a political party, blame a country, blame God. We'll continue to be blinded to what's really going on in the world and in our lives. We'll continue to be defeated and devoured until we prepare, until we prepare daily for battle by being aware and alert of it, by being aware and alert of the devil's schemes and how he attacks. Now, the devil attacks in many different ways. But there's a few common and really destructive tactics that Satan has been using for thousands of years. And he hasn't changed his tactics, and he continues to use it because we keep falling for it. So why does he need to change tactics? And we keep falling for it because we aren't aware and alert. So I want to share a few of those tactics with you. Satan attacks with lies. He's a master deceiver. He's the father of lies. He lies about God. He makes us believe lies about ourselves. 
and who we are and who God created us to be. He makes us, he lies about sin. He lies about what's right and wrong. He lies about anything that's going to point to Jesus and God's ways and God's truths and God's promises. He lies in such a way that he twists God's work, words to make us question God and question God's goodness and question God's faithfulness and question God's love for us. You read the, you know, right at the beginning of the Bible, this was the very first thing that Satan ever did was lie and twist God's words with Adam and Eve to make them Sin. And then you look at Jesus in the desert when he was being tempted face to face with Satan and he was doing the same exact thing, trying to twist God's words. And he's lying, lying, lying. And why does he lie? Because he knows if he can keep us from the truths of God, if he can keep us from God's truths and get us to believe lies about God, lies about God's promises, lies about who God created us to be, lies about how God created this world to be, that he wins because Satan knows what Jesus said. Satan knows that the truth is what will set us free. So he fills us with lies. So we can't be filled with truth. So we're held captive to him. And he lies, and he lies, and he lies us, and he tries to get us to believe that his lies are truth so that we can be devoured by him. He attacks with lies. Satan also attacks with fear. Fear of being hurt, fear of getting sick, fear of harm, fear of isolation, fear of losing security, opportunity, position, fear of uncertainty, fear of what if. And you know this, fear makes us lose faith. Fear makes us not follow Jesus. It makes us not to surrender to God. Fear makes us try to control and hold on to everything. Fear makes us isolate. Fear makes us do crazy things because we fear losing our health, losing our kids, losing our money, fear dying. Fear makes us hide, hide from others, hide from God. And you know this, fear, it devours marriages. It devours relationships. It devours freedom. It devours generosity. It devours anything life-giving. It devours families. It devours churches. And Satan know this. So he attacks by doing everything he can to fill us with fear. Satan also attacks with pride. And I know some of you are like, well, that's really good because I'm a really humble person. He hasn't got me there. Well, okay, so all the humble people in the room, I'm not talking about ego. You know what pride is? It's putting yourself at the center. Pride is selfishness. Pride is self-centeredness. Pride makes it all about me, 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 me. What you do for me, what you didn't do for me, By the way, just so you know, you're here for me. And because of that, how could you do that to me? Because I deserve, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. That's pride, 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 pride. Pride makes us think of self first at the expense of others. And according to the writers of scripture, pride is what comes before the fall. And you know that. You know pride comes before the fall of marriages, the fall of relationships, the fall of companies, the fall of churches, the fall of countries. Satan knows this too, so he attacks by doing everything he can to fill us with pride. Here's another way he attacks, division. Without unity, unity, families fall apart. Churches fall apart. Countries fall apart. Satan knows that, so he attacks by doing everything he can to, to, you know, to, to divide us. He knows if he can divide countries and churches and families, if he can pit us against one another when we disagree with one another, because we always will, then we'll start assuming, well, they must be my enemy. And if you're looking to them as your enemy, you're not staying alert to your true enemy. And Paul says, listen, stay alert. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. 
But we've been deceived into thinking that it is. Just look at our country. You're my enemy. You're my enemy. You're my enemy. You don't agree. You're my enemy. And we've taken our eyes off our true enemy. We're being attacked. And we've fallen victim. And while we're fighting with each other, the enemy is ushering in evil and darkness into our homes and into our families and into our relationships and into our communities and into our churches and into our country with no resistance from any of us because we keep looking at each other thinking that each other are our enemies. Here's another way he attacks. He attacks with temptation. Now sin does a lot of things, but here's two things it definitely does. Sin hurts our relationship with our heavenly father. Sin prevents us as followers of Christ from growing in our relationship with Jesus and experiencing and being in his presence. Not because God removes his presence from us when we sin, but because when we choose to sin, we're choosing to turn our back on God and walk away from him toward whatever it is that we are walking toward. So sin hurts our relationship with our heavenly father. Sin ultimately, though, hurts us. Sin destroys relationships. It hurts marriages. It generates guilt and shame and regrets. Sin leads to addiction. Sin hurts ourselves. Sin hurts others. Sin hurts our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Sin prevents us from being more transformed into everything that God's created us to be and thus experiencing the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment that can only be produced from a growing relationship with Jesus. It's why I say all the time, sin does not make us bad. Sin makes us dead. And Satan knows this. So he attacks us, uh, to, you know, he attacks by tempting us to sin with his deceptive lies. Oh, this won't affect you. It's just one time. It's just one time. Don't worry about it. It'll feel good, and you should feel good. Listen, as long as it's true for you, as long as it's right for you, that's what's true. That's what's right. And listen, you deserve this. You deserve this. It's not hurting anyone else. And listen, who are they to tell you that you can't? Who are they to tell you what you should feel? Listen, God wouldn't want you to not be happy. No one's going to know. And when we give in to that temptation, you know what happens? We give Satan a stronghold in our lives to have his way in our lives. We just invite the lion in to devour. Listen, these are not the only ways that Satan attacks, but they're extremely common ways that we keep falling for. So to prepare daily for this battle, we've got to become aware and alert of our enemy strategies and schemes. If we don't, he'll devour us. So we've got to become aware and alert. The second way to prepare for this battle is to put on the armor of God. Here's how Paul started his discourse about this unseen battle in Ephesians 6. He says, finally, like I saved this for last because this is really important. Finally, be strong in who? The Lord, Jesus, not ourselves. And in whose? His, Jesus' mighty power. Not your, not your power because you don't stand a chance. And by the way, being strong in Jesus and his mighty power involves more than just believing in Jesus. It involves more just, than just having faith in Jesus. Here's how we're strong in Jesus and his mighty power, Paul says, by putting on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Remember Paul saying we're in, a bat- we're in a battle daily, so we must daily prepare for battle. And then he repeats himself on how to do that. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when, 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 not if, when, it will happen. When the day of evil comes, when the enemy attacks, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Now, we know in that in the physical world, if we have a bully, if we have an enemy who wants to attack and destroy us, that we have to fight sooner or later. You just have to. Uh, this actually happened, first time I realized this, when I was in middle school. I, I, the, there's this bully at our middle school, his name was Armando. And every, Martin, he was just a thug, he was just a bully, and everyone was afraid of Armando. And I was afraid of Armando. Well, somehow Armando got it out that he was going to come after me. He, wa- he wanted to take me out. And I wanted nothing to do with this. I'm like terrified of Armando. And I was told at the beginning of the day, hey, Armando's coming to get you today. And I'm acting all tough. Tell him to come get me then. You know, and I'm, I'm just, I wasn't huge back then like I am now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and so I'm like freaking out. And I remember walking up the stairs to go to class, home ec class, by the way. That's an embarrassing part of this story. I'm going to class, and I get to the top of the stairs. My classroom door is on the left, and I see Armando on the right with his back. So he's looking for me. He thinks I'm going to come down the hall. So I was like, ha So I, like, you know, got into the room. I'm like, nailed it. Can't get me now. And my teacher, and I kid you not, as soon as I get in, she goes, hey, Ronnie, will you run an errand for me? And she I need you to go get. And I'm like, I'm not going to go. No, because Armando's out in the hall. I don't want to get hit, you know. I'm like, yeah, I got. So I go out there, and. He, there he is. He sees me and, and, you know, he starts yelling at me. And I'm like, I don't want, you know, you don't want none of this, Armando. You know, I'm like, all oh, like the tub, you know. And now, like, the hall, you know how this works in middle school? The hallway's just filling up with, with students. And I have, by the way, in my Gallup top five, I have significance, which means I need to be seen as significant. And so the more students that are getting into this hallway, the more I'm like, oh, crud. Uh, now I'm, I can't back down. And, and so I kid you, Armando just back and just Boom! Just hit me right in the face. Now, my mom was out of town this day. She, and so I knew my, I wasn't going to get in trouble with anything I did. Because dad, you're not gonna, you know, you're get hit, your son gets hit in the face. You know, your father, you're like, you hit him back? You know? Um, I knew I wasn't going to get in trouble. And so, but I said the most uncool thing that you could ever say in that moment to Armando. So he hits me. Bam! And I said, my mom's out of town. And so you're in trouble. <laughs> Dead serious. And then I proceeded to beat on him like a Cherokee drum. I mean, I just, I took this kid out. I beat him. I beat him. He's just all over. And everyone's cheering for me. And I'm doing the Rocky, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I'm friend of Armando. And actually, a really cool part of the story, too, is he got, we got, you had to go to the principal's office. It wasn't like today where we had cops. You just, back when we were, you know, you know old people. They just took us to the principal's office and be like, don't do that again. You know, uh, Mondo got suspended for two weeks from school. I got in-school suspension for two weeks, but I got to go to the in-school suspension class or my classroom, whatever one I wanted, because the principal was so glad someone finally punched Armando in the face. It was, fan- it was fantastic. So you, here's the deal. I knew in this fight, I just needed to muster up enough courage to fight. That's not how it works in this unseen battle, though. You don't get to choose this fight. It's here, it's coming, you're being attacked, you will be attacked. To stand firm and not be devoured in this battle, you're going to have to be prepared to fight, but you can't fight on your own strength. 
You can't fight supernatural battles with natural strength no matter how strong you think you are. Satan is stronger than you. But his power does not compare to our heavenly fathers. So to stand firm in this battle, we must fight God's way by putting on the armor of God. When we do, what we're actually doing is putting on Jesus and his mighty power. And when we put on the armor of God, here's how the battle looks. Jesus is before us, in front of us, and in between us and our enemy. He does the fighting for us when we put on the armor of God. And we want Jesus to do the fighting for us. We need Jesus to do the fighting for us because according to Paul, through Jesus' death and resurrection, he disarmed the powers and authorities and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You can't win this fight on your own. You don't have to. Jesus has already won. So all we need to do is put on Jesus and his mighty power by putting on the armor of God daily. We are in a battle daily. So we must prepare for, so we must daily prepare for battle. The battle is there. You have to daily prepare. We, prepare. we daily prepare by, one, being aware and alert of our enemy's strategy and, and schemes, and secondly, putting on the, the armor of God every day. If we employ those two strategies of war daily, the enemy has no chance. He will be disarmed in your life and in our world again and again and again. We'll stand firm, and we won't back down. We'll experience the life and hope and peace and joy and fulfillment and strength and healing that Jesus came for, died for, and rose to the grave in order to give us while we're in the midst of this battle. But if we don't employ these two strategies of war, we don't stand a chance. We'll be taken out by our enemy. The enemy will steal, kill, and destroy you and your life. Darkness, darkness and evil will overtake our lives, which, which will in turn continue to overtake the world and we'll never understand what's really happening. We'll keep blaming all the wrong people and while, while we're doing that, we'll be, continue to be devoured and destroyed by our true enemy. We are in a battle daily, so we must daily prepare for battle. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Ronnie Rothy from Relevant Community Church. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.